Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I just love, like, I love, I, you know, I will uh, turn it, I will go to my iPhone and I'll connect it to the Bluetooth in my car and I'll blast that song when I'm driving down the street. It's a good song. I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. What is it to see clearly? I just want us to take a moment to acknowledge for ourselves right in this moment, what does it mean to each and every one of us to see clearly? Just reflect on that for a moment in your own mind. I don't really have an answer for you. I just want you to find that answer within yourself. I want you to find that which is within you that says, oh, I get it, I understand what this is. I'll tell you the reason that I don't have an answer for that. Well, first of all, actually there are many reasons. First of all, we are all uniquely individualized. We are all uniquely individualized. So what it is for me to see clearly cannot possibly be what it is for anyone else to see clearly. What it is for you to see clearly cannot possibly be what it is for anyone else to see clearly. We get to make that discovery within our hearts. And it is not an intellectual exercise. It's not an intellectual exercise. Um, now, as I frequently tell you, probably I'll stop telling you this at some point or another, uh, I do come from the background of religious science. I was a religious science minister for 10 years, then came to a Unity church and uh, have, been, have taken the deep dive into the teachings of Unity. So I have a real kind of like affinity still for religious science and a real affinity for the unity teachings from Holmes, the Fillmores, Emily Cady, of course, all going down to um, Emma Curtis Hopkins. I was like, I was going to say Emma Curtis Tompkins, and I'm like, I know that's not right. <laughs> Emma Curtis Hopkins, the teacher of teachers. But I will oftentimes, because I do have a background in religious science, I will sometimes bring to you Ernest Holmes, who was the founder of religious science, and he had this to say that felt really prevalent to me today, that felt really right. Because today, really, what I'm talking about is feeling. And he, he said this, spirituality cannot be taught. It's like, what are we doing here then? Spirituality cannot be taught, but it can be felt. It can be practiced. It can be embodied. Each in their own consciousness must experience, experience it in their own way, and their own way will be best for them. Which is why when I ask the question, what is it to you to see clearly, I cannot ever answer that for you. It must be felt, it must be practiced, it must be embodied. And there are various tools that we have to bring us to that place of embodiment, to bring us to that place of feeling. And it is spiritual practice, tools of spiritual practice, whether it's visioning, affirmations, meditation, prayer. These are tools that guide us in the direction of ultimately seeing clearly. When we see clearly, I believe, I believe, and check in with what it is that you believe. When we see clearly, I believe, that is remembering who we are. 
deepening into the understanding that there is only one infinite power and presence, and it is who we are. It is what I am. It is what you are. The path of enlightenment is unique to each and every one of us, and it is a path of enlightenment, right? I've talked about enlightenment here before. Opening up and saying, I am the light, I am the life, I am that very power and presence. The path of enlightenment is unique to each and every one of us. There is no one way, there is no right way. You know what? There is actually no wrong way. There is only the way that works for you. There is only the way that works for you. I believe if we are rooted in compassion, if we are rooted in kindness, then that way is assured. That way is assured when we are rooted in compassion and kindness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Sometimes people take that and say, see, well, there's the proof. He said, I am the light of the world. So he was setting himself apart from others. But that is not, that's not only what he said. He also said, you are the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. But do not, do not, do not, do not hide your light as we are taught to do through our culture and through our society. Do not hide your light. Do not ever diminish yourself. Know the truth of who you are. Remember who you are and shine forth brightly. Let it shine. And there he is. There is Jesus being the example in the face of seeming adversity, he faced a lot of adversity, didn't he? I mean, everywhere he went, he was faced with criticisms, last week's talk, he was faced with adversity, he was faced with people saying, absolutely not. No, that is not the way it is. And he's saying, but I am the light. You are the light. And if we shine our light magnificently, we can change the world. He stood up and shined his light. He is one who did not cower in fear. And he said the light at the core of each and every one of us is the light of Heavenly Father, the light of the divine. You know, we use words like Heavenly Father. What does Heavenly Father mean? It means that creative source that is within right here. It is not something out there. It's right here. It could be that the work that is the most healing, actually I'm saying, as I say this and I say it could be, I'm going to make a claim. It is, for me, the work that is most healing is the work that we do to shine our light. Because it's like when Harry met Sally. I know I use this a lot, but it works, you know? When the person at the table next to us says, oh, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> because we are shining our light so profoundly. People look at us and they say, oh, look at that light. I want that. I want to experience that. I want to live that. So it is up to each and every one of us to be the light, to be an example, to allow that Christ consciousness, which is part and parcel of each and every aspect of our beingness, to shine forth so magnificently that it cannot be denied. 
We, each and every one of us, are necessary to the whole, to the wholeness, to the infinite. For if any one of us were separate, it would not be whole, it would not be infinite. We are necessary. And we are each and every one of us wavelengths, part of the infinite wholeness, the infinite light. So today's talk, today's message, I titled Prismatic. You know, if you get the Friday email, you may look at that and go, what does that even mean? Let's talk about a prism for a moment. You know prism. I, I played with prisms when I was a kid, you know, the little triangle glass of light, and you would shine a light through it, and it would put a rainbow. You know, like the light would, the beam would break up, and it would create a rainbow, right? And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Anyone else have that experience <laughs> thinking that was just the coolest thing ever? So there's a metaphor here. There's a metaphor here. If God is that infinite light as it shines through the prism of circumstance and experience, we are, it is creating a rainbow, it is creating a magnificent rainbow, and each and every one of us are individualized wavelengths along that spectrum. Each of us is required, don't ever forget, to make up the wholeness of the pure light. The pure light cannot exist without every aspect, every wavelength in existence working harmoniously. Every aspect of creation is represented by a different wavelength of light energy. So understanding this, if we take this as a metaphor, understanding this, how can we ever live in the idea that the differences that seem to be all around us matter at all? Our differences are the things that should be celebrated. It is our own unique wavelength shining forth. Celebrate the differences. Celebrate them, celebrate them, because they do matter. They do matter. Our differences are the things that make us brilliant. Collectively, collectively, we are pure light. Collectively, we are unified wholeness. We are unity. We are unity. If any wavelength is missing, the light isn't pure. So in what way will you shine forth your own beingness as part of the spectrum today. This past year, it's so funny, I think so many ministers are just tired of talking about this past year, and yet it is, the, it is, it is so prevalent because it has been the experience. This past year, perhaps it has felt like that light has been fractured. Anyone feel like that? but it's all seeming fractured. It's not actually fractured. It just seems like it's been fractured. It's been hard to shine forth my own magnificent wavelength and not feel like I can be around other people. Anyone have that experience? The circumstances of, the, of life this past year seem to have split us up, right? 
like a prism. Like a prism. We have been subjected to that field that is refracting the wavelengths, and the result is seeming separation. Our work is to turn it around. Our work is to turn it around. It begins here. Right here. So in this seeming separation, there's good news, and there's maybe some not so good news. The good news is, as I said, that separation creates the rainbow, right? The less good news is, for a lot of people, I think it's feeling like we can never be unified again. It's feeling like this is just never going to change, right? It may seem like we can't be unified again. It may seem like we're always going to be separate. But that just cannot be the case. We can be unified again. We can live as wholeness again. Did you know? I didn't actually know this, but I kind of guessed that this would be the case. So if I take that prism, that triangle of light, or that triangle of glass, right, and I shine the light through, and it creates the spectrum, that if you take another prism, and you put it opposite, and you let that spectrum go through the prism again, it will recombine to create pure light. Did you know that? I always thought, well, it's just separating light, but no, it actually works both ways. It works both ways. So if that prism is relative, is, 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 is a metaphor for the relative circumstances in our life, then what are the circumstances we can put into our experience and expression? What are the circumstances that we can take charge of in our life that can bring the light back together? We can, through the use of our mind, through the use of this one infinite mind that is each and every one of us, it is the core consciousness of each and every one of us, we can, through the use of this mind, create from within all that is required to recombine this light. But it's going to take work. It's going to take work. There's a magnificent mystic writer, contemporary mystic writer. Many of you may have read his work. Uh, do you know Mark Nepo? So Mark Nepo, if you've not read his stuff, it's pretty extraordinary. He's working on a new book. And technically, I'm letting you all in on a secret. Technically, I probably should not be quoting from his new book, which is not published yet. But I had the opportunity, gratefully, through a mutual acquaintance, to get a copy of the first chapter of his new book. And there's something that felt very relevant to today's talk that he wrote in his new book. And it's kind of a lengthy passage. That's not too long. I've, I've read longer. But I'm going to read this to you, and I just want you to take this to heart. He wrote this. Consider how the many facets of a prism are informed by a central light passing through that center into many directions. 
This represents the health and power of diversity, which depends on the kinship, kinship of a common center. But removing that common center and only feeding people what they already long for and fear has created a society in which we are the endlessly disconnected facets of a prism with no center. Now he's being a little critical of the way our lives are happening right now. He's talking a lot about social media and the effects of social media in this part of the chapter and saying that we as a society have become disparate and refracted by the ways that we are engaging and interacting with each other, which are, is creating more and more separation, more space between us. And it has not been helped by this thing called pandemic. It hasn't been helped. It's hard. I've had some Zoom calls. I'm like, oh, if I have one more Zoom call. I've actually started using social media less throughout the pandemic than before because it just isn't this. It isn't. And I, you know, I say this with full knowledge that we have all kinds of people who are watching and engaging with us solely online right now. And it is not to say that, you know, you don't matter. You do. You absolutely matter. This is a spiritual family wherever we are in this world. But it is up to each and every one of us to find that space within that centers that light one more time. So we have all these distractions, these things that seemingly pull us apart. Our work is to remove the distractions, to find the common unity, and we find our way back to center. Let go of the distractions. Let go of the distractions. Let go. Oh, here's a big distraction that I used to carry with me a lot. Needing to be right. <laughs> That's just a distraction. Another one that some may identify with, the distraction of identifying as a victim. the distraction of feeling like I need to disconnect to feel whole. I need to step away from this world that feels too much. You know, when I went on, I think I said this last week, when I went on the, uh, when I had my time away, when I went on my little resort trip, as we were leaving the resort, my husband and I, we, were, we got in the car and I turned to him and I said, well, now we get to go back to the unreal life. I think it's important to remember that all of this, the stuff, it's not real life. Real life is right here. Real life is the connection that we have to one another. Real life is the connection, the common unity, the understanding that we are one. That's real life. Anything that separates us from that is not real. All those things, all those distractions, those separating things, they're not real. We get to decide. We get to decide. These distractions are the things that pull us apart. So ask yourself, ask yourself right in this moment, what are the distractions in my life right here and right now that I can release? How can I release them? What is it that I can let go of? What can I let go of in this moment? Remove the distractions. 
find that common unity, that community, and find our way back to center. Charles Fillmore wrote this. Like the prism, see it's all about prisms today. I found all these quotes that use prisms. Like the prism through which the ray of white light has passed, the intellect shows the potentialities of spirit. If it looks within and seeks the guidance of spirit, it reflects the divine ideas upon the screen of visibility. What he is saying there is it is our work right here within each and every one of us to not allow the intellect to disperse the light in adverse ways. It is up to us to center ourselves as the light and what shines forth then becomes this magnificent, magnificent experience and expression of life. Our work is to shine our unique wavelength, to be prismatic in a constant flow of shifting and a constant flow of expanding and a constant flow of con contracting and expanding and contracting and expanding, always moving, combining to be the light of the world. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let us move forth and shine brightly. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.